Appamada's programmes and facilities are supported through your generosity. Your support really does make a huge difference. You'll find a link for contributions on the website at appamada.org forward slash contribute. Thank you so much. Good morning. We're going to do things a little bit differently this morning. Um, I'm going to stay in the timekeeper seat and speak from here. So I'm sorry that I don't get, you don't get a big picture of my face, but you'll be able to hear me. <laughs> so I, I'm going to go get my papers from the back and I'll be right back. Um, so this was sort of a last minute preparation. So I, um, please pardon me if you were expecting some new exciting information. This is new and exciting from a, a teacher that's um, gone now. This is, I'm gonna read a Dharma talk from a book that you can't see, but it's, the title is Seeds for a Boundless Life. And it's Zen Teachings from the Heart by Zenke Blanche Hartman, who we recognize as one of our founding teachers. So it's a tad long. If I get to a point where I feel like this has gone on too long, I'll stop and we'll, we'll be able to talk. So the talk of hers that I'm reading is on page 63 of her book. And the title of the talk is Free from Thoughts of Yourself. One evening, just before dinner, I was out in the courtyard at San Francisco Zen Center and a friend asked me if I was going to have a dinner. And I said, no, I have to give a Dharma talk tonight and I have to go to my room and prepare. And he said, oh, you know all that stuff already. Of course, we all in the course of our particular lives accumulate particular kinds of knowledge of this or that. Some of us know how to write. Some of us know how to play a musical instrument. Some of us know how to make gardens and so forth. That's not the kind of thing we talk about in Zen practice. We don't concern ourselves about knowledge one has mastered or knowing this or that. But there is that within which knows the truth of life as it is, the truth of things as they are, regardless of secular knowledge, just what's in front of us at every moment but we screen it through such a barrage of preconceptions and judgments and personal agendas and habitual ideas of who we are, how we want to view the world, that it's very hard for us to see directly what's right in front of us. And Zen training and Zen practice are all about coming to have confidence in that which knows and in that direct knowledge that does not come through words or intellectual activity. As Dogen Zenji says in his instructions for Zazen, 
take the backward step and turn your light inwardly to illuminate the self. And Dogen Zenji, who was the founder in Japan of the particular stream of Zen that I practice called Soto Zen, also says in his fascicle Genjo Koan, to study Buddhism is to study the self. To study the self is to forget the self. And to forget the self is to be awakened by all the myriad things. That is, to be awakened by things as they are, as Suzuki Roshi used to say all the time. The fountainhead of the Chinese school of Soto Zen, Dongshan, in Chinese, Tozan Ryokai, in Japanese, from which the To of Soto comes, was, when he was made a monk, very much taken up with the question of inanimate objects teaching the Dharma, that the Dharma is the truth of things as they are. He couldn't understand this. Inanimate things are preaching the Dharma. And so he went to a number of teachers to ask about it. And one teacher said, well, of course. Dongshan had said, I've heard that national teacher so-and-so taught that inanimate things teach the Dharma. And the teacher said, that teaching exists here also. And he said, well, if inanimate things teach the Dharma, why can't I hear it? And the teacher said, even though you might not hear it, don't interfere with that which does. There is that which does hear it. There is one who knows. Our practice is to learn how to see what's directly in front of us and to learn how to respond appropriately to whatever arises in the moment in the circumstances of our daily life. To respond spontaneously, directly, immediately to just what is in front of us without the filter of, is it good for me? Does it agree with what I already think? And on and on. Not how does it measure up against all our preconceptions and prejudices, preferences and aversions, but just directly, immediately, before all of these thoughts of self arise because all of our ideas of who we are and what we like and how we ought to act and what's expected of us by others and what's consonant with the cultural context in which we live our lives and so forth. To come to trust the one who knows, to come to trust that which hears. Later on, Dongshan met the teacher with whom he studied the longest, Yunyin, the teacher whom he succeeded as a teacher and studied further this question of inanimate objects teaching the Dharma and more. And he studied with him for many years. As he was about to leave, he said to his teacher, if in future years, someone should ask me if I am able to draw the master's likeness, what shall I say? This was a way of saying, it is said that only the disciple of a teacher can draw his likeness. So he was asking in a way 
Do I have your permission to continue in your way? Yunyan thought for a long time, and then he said, just this one is. When Dangshan left, he was somewhat dubious about Yunyan's last words, and he was thinking about them deeply as he went along. As he crossed over a bridge, he looked down at the stream and suddenly all of his doubts fell away. And he said, oh, I see, I am not it, but it actually is me. And he made a verse speaking of his understanding, speaking of this matter. Self and other are not two. I have a number of translations of this verse, and the first one I'll read is Suzuki Roshi's free translation. Do not try to see the world as an object. The you that is given to see as an object is not you yourself. I am going my own way now, and I meet myself wherever I go. If you understand that you as an object is not you yourself, then you have your own true way. Another translation. Don't seek outside yourself lest you become estranged from it. Alone, I go my way. I meet him wherever I go. He is just me, but I am not he. Thus, you must understand to be one with suchness. Do not seek him anywhere else, or he will run away from you. Now that I go on all alone, I meet him everywhere. He is even now what I am. I am even now not what he is. Only by understanding this way can there be a true union with the self so. I am speaking of this true person who can't be classified. The you that is not an object the you that responds directly and immediately to what's right in front of you. The you that is free from thoughts of self, that is free from preconceptions, that is free from some idea of who you are. And I think no matter how long I've been practicing to see and end my preconceptions, my idea of who I am keeps arising again and again. It isn't as if you were going to get rid of all that thought of self and never be bothered by it again. Please don't imagine such a thing. But we can, with practice, begin to see how our cherished ideas of who we are interfere with our actual seeing the circumstances of our life directly, interfere with our responding straightforwardly to the actions that come up, the circumstances that arise. And we become a little more capable of not getting hooked every time by our cherished opinions. And sometimes we are able to respond directly and immediately and to meet someone right here. 
to actually be present for our life as it occurs. This is what our practice is about. To find out how to be present for the actual moment of our life as it occurs. Our life doesn't occur a moment ago or in a few minutes. Life occurs only right now. If we have to sort through all of our baggage before we can meet it, the moment is gone. So we have to begin to have confidence in our immediate response. We have to begin to ask, what is the baggage I carry? If I get upset or excited, who do I think I am right now? Not to get hooked every time by our preconceptions and prejudgments. I began to study this true person of no rank again recently because of getting caught in some of my own baggage. My feeling is that the more familiar we are with our habitual baggage, the more possible it might be to move through the circumstances of our life without being tripped up by it. The more we actually see the shadow of ourselves, the more we bring the shadow into the light and own it and acknowledge it, the less likely it is to lead us into inappropriate responses. And if we don't just own it to ourselves, if we own it to our friends, they can help us. They can remind us that we have some baggage that might be getting in the way. I want to own it right out there and I want others to keep me honest. I would like to continue to try to find the true person of no rank to continue to function as best I can as a monk who is practicing together with others without any special characteristics. Please really recognize that this you who knows is always with you, never apart from you right where you are. Please try to become familiar with this you that is not an object, that is you yourself that is not an object, that is always going in and out of the gates of your face. The gates of your face means in and out of all the five senses, which are always present in this moment. Good, so that didn't quite take as long as it might have. It was great and there's plenty of time for discussion and I wanted to take my role to speak first. I was very touched by that. I had started reading it last night and knew that I wanted to share that. But I didn't realize that it would be so apropos. When I came to Appamata this morning, there were two gentlemen sitting out on the porch. It's very dreary here today. It's gray, kind of chilly. They've been waiting since seven o'clock because they intended to come to orientation, which was scheduled for this morning. 
There was no one here to provide orientation, but they had waited. I came in to set up the Zendo and no one else showed up to take on roles. I was the one person here. Two other people came that had never been here before. So there were four of us and five of us online. I looked at the altar and the flowers and they are limp and faded and brown. The person who had signed up to come and do the flowers on the altars yesterday did not come. I spent the entire three sessions of sitting simmering. Simmering with my thoughts and my feelings. What was appropriate? What is this story I have about appropriateness? What is this Zen story I have about becoming calm? So the teaching this morning from Zenke Blanche Hartman touched me deeply. Who was I? Who was the me that was simmering? What was my story? And how attached I was to it about what should have happened this morning. I tried, I think as best I could to deal with what arose. I tried to have an appropriate response, but I continued to simmer. It's a great Dharma gate for me this morning. What am I so attached to? Who is telling the story? Is there a way to be, as Blanche Hartman describes, without the story, or at least have the story stand beside me instead of inside me or in front of me? And I think the answer to that is sitting, that we practice becoming aware of who is telling the story, who is thinking the thoughts. And we open our hand. To not hold so tightly to our fixed ideas. So thank you for being here this morning and thank you for indulging me. Um, and I'd like to open this up 
if people online or people here in the Zendo would like to comment about anything at all, just raise your hand and we'll call on you. Morning. Uh, I want to thank you. I I saw in email the the swirl of activity and non-activity about who was going to come this morning. And um, I um, I also had many feelings about the number of people who could have stepped forward who didn't. And um, I'm so glad it was you. Um, there, there's to hear Blanche Hartman's words in your voice is very touching to me. To hear her telling the very touching story of the last meeting of Yunyan and and uh, Tozan, um, which is such a central story for our for our practice. <clears throat> um, I just want to say thank you for being there. Thank you for taking on the role, uh, the multiple roles this morning, and um, for modeling what is the fruit of practice. I'm so glad you did that. And, and again, thank you for choosing this wonderful passage uh, from Blanche Hartman's book to read. I had not actually read that chapter before. Very moving. Thank you. Hi, uh, everyone, and Anne, and thank you so much for the talk. And how fortuitous it was that that was on your mind and that that talk. Um, and I just can imagine how it um, nourished you as you struggled through the, the whole morning. And I also um, appreciate the simmering as I um, you described so vividly your approach to the building today, this morning, I would imagine it was heartbreaking. As a part of me, at least, feels it's, it's kind of heartbreaking because um, uh, as a community, we are we want to support everyone that um is attracted to this path and um so i hear blanche's guidance and i and i take it to heart and i also hear the buddha saying that we need to speak up you know he did encourage <clears throat> this little story of ananda who this is not completely applicable to this morning, but Ananda um, was was consistently contradicted by someone in, in the community and he let it pass. And he was scolded by Buddha for not for not taking the opportunity to teach. That was his that was his message about Ananda not speaking up. So I like to add that in as well um as part of our path and i thank you so much for um for being there today and for teaching us thank you Anne. yes thank you so much Anne. i spent the first sitting 
sending you meta because every time that something happens that's jarring where it's you know uh if if i watch somebody who's who's uh doing the chants and so on and gets them all shuffled up or anything like that but this morning was big i mean i could see what all you were dealing with you know and and I kept looking to see if somebody else was coming and some, you know, maybe you were expecting somebody at the second sitting or something. And, and, and at least online, you looked like the calm one in the, in the room. And so that much, at least when we can call on at least that much that we aren't spreading what's going on in us. And I just also want to say the kind of Dharma talk you just gave, even though you were reading it from someone else's words, but then your part of it was, was much of what the Dharma talk was. Um, each time we can share what's happening for us in a fairly immediate circumstances, the stronger it is in what others, myself, for instance, this morning can take in, you know? So that's, that's, a, that's a multiplication of how important the present moment is. So, so I just wanna say thank you so very, very much and one of the things that someone said to me real early on when I was coming was uh, just show up. Well, you know what? What if everybody hadn't one day? Because it was, you know, you weren't coming planning to do this. You know, it wasn't planned. And any one of us might have not been able to or chosen to. But, you know, but here we are, actually a fairly fine sangha gathering. So I thank you each and all. Yeah, let, let's have Jess first. She's here. Hi, I'm Jess. I don't think I, I know any of you, but I did, <laughs> I did meet Anne today and um, I really appreciate you being forthcoming about what you were sitting with mm -hmm. um, because I'm one of the people who has never been here. I have been to a Zen center before though, and I have been the one um, that has, has endured a lot of pain for the great care that I have and sometimes it can be extremely painful to hold a space. And I think that sometimes simmering can be an appropriate response. Mm. You know, held with compassion. Mm. Because to me, you, you showed me an immense amount of care and coming from somewhere that was much more formal, I just felt like this was a breath of fresh air. 
Um, I didn't notice the flowers that you pointed out now, which I can't believe that I would ever go into a Zen Center and not notice flowers. I thought I was bound to notice everything for all eternity. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I thought I had no idea that any of this was out of the ordinary. You carried yourself with grace and warmth and confidence, and I just thought it was so refreshing that that none of the bells and whistles were were quite the same, and that we were just sitting. And I also loved the reading. I love Blanche. Um, I mean, her lineage. Mm. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you for being here. And just so you know, this is incense. I'm not smoking. Um, and your honesty is so profound. Uh, it just over it just overwhelmed me. And, and and as Joel said, hearing Blanche's words with your voice, it's those two. What a combination! Uh, and then what you said afterwards, uh, your your simmering Dharma talk. I loved it. Um, I too am a simmerer, <laughs> uh, and I there, there's just so much wisdom that you gave today by showing, showing, not telling. Uh, just beautiful uh, and deep, deep gratitude. I just. And thank you for today's talk. Again, I'm going to echo what everybody has said, just hearing your, your just calm, soothing voice. And um, the her words really resonated, too, in terms of um, instructions on how to practice. And um, I just join with you in the parts that may have been simmering. I think about what Blanche was saying in terms of uh, being aware of our baggage and that's got such a bad connotation sometimes but it's like being aware of our conditioning and causations and welcoming whatever comes I sometimes think if it's if things from the past are in the present then they are in the present and that is what I'm contending with um, and and so the present moment is always a combination of all of that conditioning. And I think about what Peg was saying in terms, she talks oftentimes about the great grandmother lab and being able to welcome all parts as, you know, even the one that is judging of whether or not it is an appropriate response. Um, Cause I always tend to have that sort of spiritual part that is like, is this appropriate? And I will apply that to other people's responses. And as wise as, as I can be, I try and show up with a response. And as I say, I would join with you because of my own past, I would probably be feeling like here I am again doing it. <laughs> so in any way, welcoming and putting an arm around that, that part. Um, I've got a, a situation in my life right now where I'm turning towards those parts where it's difficult to feel them. Um, and her talk was a real inspiration of how to welcome all of that. And I want to just also acknowledge a deep gratitude for how you do show up and showing up today and um, being the heartbeat of, of the Sangha today. So much, much gratitude to you.
And Jess and Connie, it's wonderful to see you in the Zendo today. And uh, I'm, I'll say, if you don't know, I'm in Albuquerque. Uh, and uh, I did not join in the sitting today, but I'm I'm so glad I was able to make it for the for the talk. Uh, I just I, uh, I I feel a little guilty about coming up again, but I there, I just want to say that the word that jumped out at me from the from the reading was confidence that that Blanche Hartman talked a couple of times. She said, you know, how do you how do you get to to be in a big enough container so that you can hold all the stuff that's going on in your head and do like do like Tozan see your reflection and then have a moment where you can see through your reflection to see the whole world you know um that takes some confidence I guess and uh, again you you modeled that confidence today and by showing up and I, I really appreciate that uh and I there's one other thing I want it that that I want to be able to speak to, which is that, you know, that we have this judging part of our mind, the the, the part that supplies the Vedanas. I gave a talk about this not long ago. And uh, this it's this way that we we uh, just cloak our our perceptions even before we even before we know we're perceiving them in the idea that things are good or bad, beneficial, dangerous, sexy, poisonous, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, that that comes out of a, uh, as our, the limbic part of our brains, right? I just, I, I, I'm really curious as to whether it's possible to map brain state onto what the Buddhist teachings are. And it seems like it's just outside my reach, you know? Uh, and at any rate, that part of your brain is also the part of your brain that is perceiving things immediately right now in this moment, you know? And it seems like that part of your brain is inhabiting, inhabiting two states simultaneously, uh, which is of course our human condition to always be in two states simultaneously. But, it, but to have the confidence that there is a, a person of no rank, a person who is as big as the whole world, who is all the relationships, that to be able to see through to that and be confident in that is so is so powerful. And again, I could never have had any appreciation for that without this talk today. Thank you so much. Um my first thought, Anne, is um, I'm also grateful that you were the one to be there and receive and present the teachings in such a way. Um, honestly, I I did not follow Blanche's um, Dharma talk entirely, but your example was very salient, and um, it was one that... Um, that helped me see my own shadow. And um, in a really profound way. And I think I, I think that's all I have to share. But um, no, it, it really is a masterful example of um, how 
and why and what we do. Thank you. Well, thank you all. I must say I feel much better. <laughs> the simmering has, has calmed down a lot. So the gratitude in the community and uh, yeah, the expression, I suppose. Um, I'm, I'm very grateful for. So we'll go ahead and have the rest of our service. And um, thank you all so much. <laughs>